Warhammer fantasy news, hobby, lore, and more. Welcome to the War Games Orchard with Nathan and GJ. Idols, grudges, and tears. This is the War Games Orchard. Welcome to the show. My name is GJ, and with me tonight, I have a special guest. We have on the show today Andreas from Germany. Hello, Andreas. Welcome. Hi, GJ. Before we, hi, uh, hi uh, fine, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, uh, yeah, we, we of course uh, met already before the show a little bit. So, uh, um, yeah, I thought we'd just uh, jump right in and. Um, might be a good idea for you to to tell us a little bit about yourself because I know you're active on the uh, Crown of Command Discord and uh, I know that you're also in our uh, War Games Orchard Facebook group. Unless I'm much mistaken, no, you're in there, right? No, that's correct. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. What uh, um, what what got you into the hobby? Yeah. When did you start? Which armies do you collect? Uh, stuff like that. Okay, let's start in the very beginning. <laughs> the beginning was basically Space Crusade and uh, Hero Quest, and um, in Germany it's called um, uh, Claymore Saga, but that's Battle Masters for um, all the other countries, I guess. <laughs> no, 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 no um, not for so us. In Dutch, it's uh, is Ridderstreit. Which okay. would translate into the uh, beautiful English name "night fight" or "night yeah, battle." Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's basically yeah. This this big um, Milton Bradley um, box games um, that a friend of mine um, brought around, and we were starting playing them. But and I I saw these um, miniatures, and I liked the game. And then at the side of the box. I think it was Space Crusade, yeah, definitely was Space Crusade, <laughs> of course. There were all these painted miniatures, and I thought, oh man, these look amazing. But that was as far as it got back then, and then there was years and years of, well, the boxes went to the shelf and stayed there for most of the time. And But this very same friend, um, he was um, getting miniatures from his grandpa. He was buying him the very first White Wolf magazine that was released in Germany. So he was starting collecting um, this Warhammer Fantasy and also Warhammer 40k stuff. And can, can you I tell me uh, when that was? Which year? Or, or about uh, which year? should have been around 1994 or 1995. Um, I remember ha him having that um, fifth edition box set and he painted it all on himself and uh, I think he played with his little brothers and one day he said, hey, wouldn't you be interested in hmm, playing a game of Warhammer with me? And he gave me his uh, fifth edition lizard man, and we played on the carpet in his uh, in his room. <laughs> so that was the first gaming experience against, I think it was Bretonia. And he cleverly sold me on that. So I bought uh, my first 
orcs and goblins that he had already painted <laughs> from him. Probably it was the orcs and goblins from 4th edition box set. Because it were those plastic uh, monopose orcs and these plastic goblins with the spears and some plastic um, orc archers that were around back then and Grom and a rock lover and the army book of 4th edition. So that was my starting point. But I was almost 8. I think when I bought that stuff 17 so it was 1997 I guess yeah and from then on yeah mm, some other friend had a chaos army uh, and um, yeah from there we started in late fifth edition we started playing and shortly after sixth edition was released and that was like my Warhammer heyday so when I when I played my most of my games and yeah but a kind of stuck to it since then yeah I stuck to fantasy most of the time I have a small Necron army but that's also only gathering dust and I have a large army of Oaks and Goblins, Dark Elves, some High Elves some Beastmen and right now I am building up my Dwarves <laughs> awesome so so um, right now you're building up your dwarves. Which uh, which unit are you working on? Um, to be honest, it's the last unit has just left my uh, workbench. It was a thane, and the next uh, miniatures I have to um, colorize are um, some thunderers and some um, some quarrelers, so and a cannon. That will be my next wolf models. And so you're going to paint them like uh, um, all simultaneously, switch between projects, or uh, you're going uh, to pick one and finish that, and then uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to um, pick one unit and finish the unit, and then go for the next one. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I know different people who like to do different things, and uh, I myself, uh, unless I have like a deadline, I keep switching between. Uh, different units different projects but um yeah for at, at the moment uh, just to talk some uh, some hobby stuff uh, at the moment i am still working on my high elves uh, we are recording this uh, mm -hmm. in about the last week of the gathering of mighty painters challenge we've got a little over a week to go and I have already finished my pledge for this month, which was uh, the remainder of my plastic monopose high elves, the, the, f the ones from the 4th edition, the archers. I did those in uh, record time. I made a, uh, a unit of 17 and a unit of 18, both with full commands. And uh, the command groups were, were not really... Not all era appropriate, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. That's that's the highest output of miniatures in the shortest amount of time that I have that I'm aware of. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe I matched it when I just started with Warhammer, but then it was all one thick layer of flat color. So that's uh, <laughs> I don't count that. And yeah, now yeah, now I'm working on some <laughs> more uh, some more high elf archers, but these are the metal ones, the uh, unarmored archers, and uh, I've got unit of 12 of those and uh, I would like to finish them as well before the end of the challenge and put them all in one big family picture. Awesome, yeah, uh, that's yeah. nice. Uh, uh, army shot. 
that's, yes. that's what we're working for, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. And then uh, that will take my uh, my high elf army up to uh, I think about three and a half thousand points if I am able to what, field that's everything. Solid. Well, that's including a dragon and a griffin, so that's uh, yeah. But uh, uh, it's mostly infantry. I still need yeah, some, uh, so to do some cavalry and everything, but. Uh, uh, I think for now that's going to be it for the High Elves, and uh, I've also nice. decided on what I'm going to do with the uh, Call of the Crown that I'm organizing, mm -hmm. or actually the community has decided, because mm -hmm. I have so many armies I don't know what to paint, I just <laughs> selected, uh, made a poll and, and selected the one that uh, came, on, came out on top, and that was Beastmen, so uh, now I'm going to start build me a Beastmen force. Oh, okay. I think I voted. And, uh, yeah. I voted for something else, but okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I voted for Bretonia. <laughs> oh, nice. You, you, you were one of the three people then that voted for Bretonia, I guess. <laughs> no, I, I was actually surprised with how many votes Beastman got. So, it's either a maybe it was because it was top of the list, you know. B. Yeah, that might be. That might be. That that's just uh, <laughs> people being lazy. Um, <laughs> or it might be that it's uh, that it's suddenly become a, a very popular army in the uh, Hero Hammer community. Who knows? Who anyway, knows? Andreas, um, what do you say uh, we uh, we start or just fire off some questions and uh, um, I'll have you answer them because the reason yeah. that you are here on this podcast, uh, the, the, you approached me, you said, uh, well. Uh, I love your um, campaign episodes. Uh, I'm paraphrasing here, of course. Um, but you you listened to those campaign episodes and you said, I have also been working on, on these campaigns and with these campaigns. And uh, you've been adapting them to uh, Warhammer CE. Yeah. Now, I am completely unfamiliar with Warhammer CE. Oh, what does it stand for? What is it? Uh, how does it differ from, um, from other editions? How, how would you explain yeah. it to someone like me who doesn't know anything about it? <laughs> I give it a try. It's not too hard. <laughs> so it's um, called Warhammer CE for several reasons. Um, uh, the author um, is a, a guy from Germany too. He was um, very much a tournament player back then or very uh, he, he was very well, surrounded by very active tournament players, say that, so state it that way. Um, and um, yeah, it was uh, the hassle always back then. Um, the rule book and the army books didn't keep up well with, with um, balance. So he decided that it was time to make a balanced rule set that was still during 7th edition. And um, yeah, before the release of 8th edition and it was basically um, 7th edition with house rules and from that from there it grew and um, to um, yeah to, to get all this to the same power level um, he based that's we could you could say it, it's like 7th edition rule set with 6th edition rule books more or less but also including um, many 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 units um, that uh, weren't um, in 6th edition or 7th edition so it also includes um, units from 5th or 4th or 8th edition or even 3rd edition 
um, that were not part of um, later editions. And so the CE could stand for like um, <laughs> competitive edition or for collector's edition or classic edition or community edition um, or communist edition. I don't know. <laughs> so it's <laughs> you can make of that whatever you want. But but we could we could we could um, check the the original definition. I think the original was a community edition. <laughs> Okay, awesome. So, um, how how is this uh, the person who developed this or the community that developed this? How did they go about balancing out those army books? Because uh, the power creep was already there in sixth edition. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think there's a lot of maths behind it. <laughs> really, a lot of maths. Um, but um, if you, if you delve really in deep, it's like a, it's a living rule book, and it's it's developing and it's changing, and point costs are <sighs> increased or lowered during the time, but uh, very um, uh, conservatively. So um, we the, the the edition started off with that point that was considered to be the the rather balanced, most balanced um, time that was basically um, in the very beginning of 6th edition where you had Ravening Hordes yes. and some of these um, early army books. Um, so um, the power level for all the armies is, that's the bar of the power level. And that's why it's sometimes a bit <laughs> disappointing to players when they are setting up an army first time with a Warhammer CE game and they think, oh my gosh, my units, they can't do anything. <laughs> They're so bad. <laughs> but the good thing is, anyone is suffering from that fate. <laughs> and so you get really, really nice and balanced armies from my point of view. And um, I enjoy it. Um, although it is it is aimed at a, a tournament um, um, audience a bit from the from the basics from the golden rules that are stated in the front of the rule book, <laughs> um, we can we can read through these later on if you like or not. <laughs> but um, my I as a, my idea is also that if you have a balanced rule set for a uh, tournament game, then it's also perfectly fine to use this in a non-competitive game or in a non-competitive um, sense. Like say, I mean, if I want to play Warhammer, I still want to win the game, but not at any cost. But I, I'd like to enjoy the game and I don't want to play against a totally uh, overpowered enemy and play all the time ramp up I, I want I want to make my decisions matter in the game and not the list building per se only it has to be a mix yeah makes sense that's what yeah. I like I'm uh, actually surprised well maybe not surprised but uh, it's it's um, curious to see that there are several people and groups out there 
that have been doing exactly the same thing, finding balance. And I know mm -hmm. of groups that uh, still only play 6th edition with Ravening Hordes. Mm -hmm. uh, but you've also got Casper uh, and Joe from the Flail of Skulls podcast. They mm -hmm. made their own version of 5th edition where they calculated all the points cost. Yeah, man, and, uh, like you said, there's I, a lot of math behind it. That's, I think you need a lot of, lot of mileage and a lot of calculation. Yes. Yeah. They picked a really hard set to balance. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. Kudos to them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and then of course there's the uh, Warhammer Armies project that has been focusing mostly on 8th yeah. edition and now is mm -hmm. uh, into a 9th edition. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, I think maybe that uh, we, we always assume during these podcasts that uh, at least someone from Games Workshop is listening. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, maybe that they, they will learn from that when releasing the old world that uh, yeah. what people are actually... One thing I just is hope it's not army. the law, de law department to send a cease and desist letter. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, uh, to my knowledge, we haven't gotten them yet. Uh, <laughs> but that might also be because we changed locations. Uh, oh, okay, <laughs> quite <Yeah>, clever. <laughs> yeah, clever. <laughs> no, that's uh, <laughs> not Hooray. the case, of course. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Um, that, that's that's uh, Warhammer CE. Uh, sounds great. Yeah. Um, how do you uh, how did you experience playing it? For example, you said some some of your armies of some some of the armies, uh, some of the units they have been nerfed quite heavily. Yeah. Um, did you experience that with your armies as well when well, you first started playing I, it? And, uh, <laughs> as I usually play orcs and goblins and dark elves, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> but but just imagine playing dark elves with the old army book. With, with the updates, uh, for example, yeah. that they were made during 6th edition, and it actually is a a fair and um, great game. You, you don't think, oh my gosh, they're dying like flies. Well, they still are, but um, on the other side, they're dying as well. <laughs> yeah. So, I, f I found it really cool, and, and uh, also the, uh, the introduction of, of newer units that weren't around in 6th edition, and older units that haven't been around since let's say third edition they, they even introduced a unit i didn't ev ever uh, hear of it was um what is it called it's a kind of silver helms um for dark elves so it's uh dark riders with heavy armor and lance doom riders i think or doom horses or somehow they were called in I think uh. third edition yeah, I, I think we mentioned them on the show at some point when, when discussing oh. these third edition books, but uh, I, I can't remember the name either, so uh, we'd have to uh, look that up. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's, uh, that, mm -hmm. that is also something that uh, would appeal to me, um, because or I love Chaos seeing Wars. those old units back on the battlefield, like the Empire the War and stuff like that. Stuff like that. Yes, <laughs> oh, those war machines, they were awesome. <laughs> So it's yeah. basically the idea is that if you have a, a unit in your collection, you can play it. That's great. I love that idea. That that, that uh, aura of inclusiveness that it gives you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So okay, that that gives me a little bit of an idea why you want to take these campaign packs from fifth edition and uh, turn them into uh, uh, Warhammer CE because that's yeah. what you're doing, right? 
Yeah, I, I did this um, for three of the campaign packs. Um, the first one was Idol of Gork, and the second one was Tears of Aisha, and the third was Grudge of Drong. And yeah, I mean, if you're playing Warhammer for a long time, you're always looking for some new, new things to do. And I thought, why these these campaign sets? They are so cool, and I never played them back then. Why not try to make them playable in Warhammer CE? So I started off with Idol of Gork. I asked a friend of mine who has an Empire army. And I worked out the rules. I made some adjustments that I felt were necessary. And off we went. And his brother um, was also there. At first we just wanted to have, have a game and play, play the games, play the campaign. But his brother took took great pictures, and I thought, why not make battle report from that? And I made some battle reports and posted it in a forum, and people liked it a lot. And um, so I thought, well, if I do that again, maybe I'll rewrite um, the campaign and add fluff texts and. Um, point out what the criteria is for army selection, which I didn't do with um, Idol of Gork. I just wrote down like some fluff text. I wrote down um, the army list that we actually played and started off with the uh, with the battle report. So it went more sophisticated from, uh, from each um, campaign pack to the other. Awesome. And uh, then you, you played through these games, through these mm -hmm. campaigns. And then um, you you made adjustments, I guess, or uh, yes. So, well, so how, how long? Do, how does this process go? How long did it take? Oh, it depends. It it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, maybe some. Yeah, for for, for each mission, uh, I made. Uh, I, I at first I looked at um, what the army or what what the lists contained. What, what were the possible selections? And um, where was um, potentially conflict with a newer rule set? Um, I have to say I didn't use the original Idol of Gorg and the original Grudge of Drong rule sets from fifth edition, but they got these got an update for sixth edition. So um, there was already a lot of. Um, work um, done in um, that regard. Um, the only one that was really from 5th edition uh, uh, was Tears of Aisha. Um, but nevertheless, I had to make some adaptions. And um, especially in um, how magic works. Magic works differently in uh, Warhammer CE than in 5th edition and also in 6th edition. And yeah, what was also important? Well, that was for the other campaigns. Yeah, the the, co the point costs for character models, and what else? I think that was most of the work to um, fix point costs for the the, the characters and uh, fix uh, the problem. With magic, and I went 
from there to the to the table. I, I gave it one test run. I, I've built myself an, an Excel sheet where I can move units around and uh, <laughs> and a, a number generator for um, random numbers that I can roll these sixes uh, by hitting F9 and stuff like that and the small rulers to measure distances. And uh, I play tested, I did a little play testing if, if the if the scenarios are fine, but, but they were basically great. Really great. I mean, I, we, all the games we played, they were terribly close and very, very exciting to play. These scenarios are top-notch. Yeah, and, and that's just you playing uh, uh, on your computer in Excel. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> well, in, in in real life, they were top notch too. <laughs> I just gave it a try. For well, what you can take into consideration is, of course, can um, the units realistically reach the um, yeah the goal of the mission if they gotta move somewhere, um, or if 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 you allow, like, say. Um, new units and that were added to the Empire list, like these um, Outriders that they weren't around in 5th uh, or 6th edition, but I still wanted to allow, the, to allow the Empire player to have them, things like that. And you have to check if, yeah, if, if, if one of these units that, that you add would break the balance of the game. Right, yeah. Uh, so you mentioned something a little bit earlier, which was uh, the problem of magic. Mm -hmm. What is the problem of magic? <laughs> the problem of magic? <laughs> well, it's not really a problem. It's just um, how different uh, magic works uh, in Warhammer CE. It's, um, if we start in 5th edition, we had a card magic system. And in six and all um, later editions, we had um, dice, yes. power dice, and um, dispel dice. And that's not different in Warhammer CE. It basically works like in sixth and seventh edition. You roll power dice. You have a complexity of a spell, and to dispel it, you have to reach um, the amount of. Um, of energy of the energy roll basically that's all the same but in order to dispel you need a wizard and for example in the first mission the grab there you have um, a special character on the empire side yeah this is the uh, idol of gork uh, yeah yeah exactly yeah. it's the first mission where um the night goblin shaman is trying to recover a magic item and of course a night magic uh, shaman has to cast spells because that's the only thing that he can do <laughs> um, and if you uh, let him cast spells without uh, the empire being able to dispel them in any way that's not going to be much fun so i had to think about how to make Mr. Van Bock, or I don't think his name is Van Bock, um, how he is able to um, keep um, this Night Goblin Shaman raining down spells on him. So I added just a magic item which allows him to dispel. So that was my strategy and it worked. <laughs> right, yeah. 
So so basically, you're then um, going back to the sixth edition system, seventh edition system, where you could still dispel even if you don't have a wizard. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I gave him a magic item that uh, allowed him that. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, I can I can imagine how you run into problems uh, like that. Yep. When, but, um, well, yeah, it was all solvable, it was all doable, and it was great fun. That's the bottom line. Yeah, and you've, you've played through each of these three campaigns yes. yourself, right? Yes, I played the Idol of Gorg in 2017, Tears of Aisha in 2018, and the Grudge of Drong took us a bit longer due to COVID from 2019 till 2020. Yeah, and yeah, I... I Personally, I enjoy most, I'd say, Tears of Aisha. Yep. Or Idol of Gork. Ah, but I definitely enjoyed them more than Grudge of Drong. I thought the scenarios were better. Yeah, well, Grudge of Drong was the first campaign, so mm-hmm. uh, I, ca- I can imagine how uh, Games Workshop still had to learn something from that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I I'm surprised I by, by the way that there. you. Uh, sorry. Oh, I said I just said I'm. I think I made the most adaptions in Grudge of Drawn. Right. Scenario yeah. wise. And and that's uh, why is that? Um, for example, the mission um, where you have to defend the brewery or attack it, um, if you're on the dwarven side. Um, I felt the unit selection was so limited and therefore the options that um, the dwarves had. So I added a unit of um, dwarven scouts. What are these called in English? The rangers. Rangers, yeah, dwarven rangers to the roster to be fi- uh, so it was able to field some rangers. So, um, well, the scenario rules basically are the, um, the leader of the Dwarven army is a very cunning guy and he can um, ambush the elves and make a unit of up to, I don't know, 200 or 250 points attack from one of the free uh, table edges that are not the um, deployment zone of the dwarves. So, and with another unit that can uh, scout, I um, made it um, a bit more, well, versatile. And um, yeah, maybe I made it too hard for the elves because I lost that scenario. (laughs) (laughs) Back to the drawing board. Yeah, I, I just wanted to say um, when I so uh, um, rudely interrupted you is that I was surprised to learn that there are adaptations for some of these campaign packs for 6th edition. Mm-hmm. Because in English, to my knowledge, they are only for 5th edition. Uh, are these oh, the German okay. editions uh, that you're talking about in 6th? Yeah. I downloaded them from the internet. <laughs> ah. I think they were on the GW web uh, homepage back then. Okay. Well, yeah, well, I I know that these campaign packs were released like in, I think, 97 and 98 somewhere. 
So okay. that's uh, maybe maybe 99 as well. So that so that's nearing the end of fifth edition. If there's a bit of a lag in translation, then I can imagine how editions would have switched before all of the campaign packs were oh, produced in German. That could but be true too. I don't know if they they the English ones also got an update. I should huh. check that out. That's uh, may, maybe that will just uh, mean I have to do five more episodes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I have to, so I have to talk to Nathan to about out. that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I I will definitely look into that. So uh, yeah, thanks. Um, what I wanted to ask you is, you've done three of these campaign packs now. Uh, are mm -hmm. you planning also on doing the other two, Perilous Quest and Circle of Blood? Hmm, I'm lacking the armies for that, so possibly not. Maybe or you somebody... start Bretonians, Wood Elves, and Vampire Counts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have Vampire Counts. I bought them, a whole army. <laughs> but well, you're almost halfway there. These Bretonians. <laughs> it, it was very cheap. Yeah, I got it basically for free. Yeah, and Bretonians are uh, a bit hard to collect nowadays. Yeah. Although right. um, the good thing is about 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 Bretonians is that these are just regular knights in armor and yeah. regular peasants, and you could go third party. I think you can make a very good third party Bretonian army that has just about everything um, if you if you source it from multiple hmm. suppliers. I, I know that there are. Uh, Highland miniatures, they do have some uh, 3D prints that are made to resemble the Bretonian miniatures, and they're actually very good. I have some of those uh, printed out for me. GJ. Am and I mistaken, uh, or have you just decided on what I'm going to paint on the Crown of Command uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> painting challenge? <laughs> ah, well, maybe. Crown, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind. Uh, Seeing you paint a Bretonian army. <laughs> Great fun doing all those knights in a different color scheme. Yeah, I'm tempted. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, I also had uh, some more questions for you. And okay. those are, well, uh, let's see, I, I've, I've written them down here in a, in a little document. And um, one of the questions I still wanted to ask you is, uh, have you put these campaign packs uh, out there on the internet? And if so, how were the responses from the uh, community, either the Warhammer CE community or the the broader Warhammer community? Yeah, yeah the, um, I did, and the responses were uh, really, really positive, which motivated me um, to um, write up all the the other um, campaigns and write fluff texts for all the results of the campaigns and stuff like that. Yeah, it was awesome, awesome responses. And um, yeah, unfortunately, it's all in German and yeah, not not yet translated to English, but I'm working on that. So maybe I can one day present a complete campaign pack in English. Or two, or even three. Let's see. <laughs> but then you also have to provide the Warhammer CE rules in English. Uh, they are available. Uh, oh, it was, great! It was it was done in English uh, at first. For it was it had an international, um, um, yeah, a, a, an international approach to a state like that. And oh, cool! Completely yeah. in English. 
Yeah, so so uh, the way I got it uh, from you is not too difficult, fr uh, too different from the editions that most people are already familiar with. So, uh, yeah, no, that, I much. think that would be a great way to uh, enjoy these campaign packs with other units and, and other armies. Absolutely, yeah. for sure. If you for sure. Um, if you could make a campaign pack for yourself, uh, let's say you. Either GW gave you uh, permission and, and a paycheck to mm -hmm. make a campaign or you were to do one for yourself in uh, Warhammer CE or just in, in any edition. Mm -hmm. uh, which factions would you like to field and what would the setting be? Hmm. Hmm. If I were at complete freedom... Hmm. Well, actually, I am working <laughs> on a campaign pack myself. I, I made a campaign myself for um, Grom's War and landing um, an Ulthuan. Um, ah. I know there is a, the Morkfront Pass um, campaign in from 4th edition, but this... Um, is basically focused on um, um, Uthuan itself, but the, the one I made is um, Grom's Wark through the Empire, and I have a um, the first mission that I already have played with a friend is a siege, um, and um, the siege of Nuln, and because Nuln is quite big, and um, we we decided to um, to pick just a single gate um, of null and um, the second part of it is then a chariot race in null <laughs> and the third one was a open um, yeah a scenario where um, a great um, of the reinforcements trying to cross a river to get to Grom's main force to reinforce his troops yeah and we have two more scenarios to go, and one of it is a um, skirmisher scenario where Grom's um, goblin raiders have to um, get as many building material as possible for the shipbuilding. And the third one is, of course, a sea battle with man of war rules. <laughs> oh, that sounds very awesome. I'd love to play through that. <laughs> I, I love also that you incorporate different game systems, uh, the skirmish, the uh, man of war, a siege. That's yeah. Uh, yeah I think uh, I think that 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 might be one thing that I find lacking in these fifth edition campaign books. That uh, basically you're only playing regular Warhammer battles, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that, and you can have a lot of fun with that, but. There's so much more you can do with a campaign, like uh, what's presented in 6th edition, if you have a narrative campaign, start out with a skirmish and then, then go like uh, a battle on the field and end up in a siege, something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's uh, that's a great way to incorporate those into your campaign set, and also a, a very nice setting. It's uh, The Grom's Conquest is, uh, of course, one that's... I think fairly well known, maybe maybe because it was mm -hmm. the focus of the fourth edition uh, starter set with uh, the high elves versus the goblins, and you got this uh, paper stand that you could uh, use for for Grom with this chariot drawn on there. Mm -hmm. um, 
and it's it's also a very uh, very nice story the the story of Grom uh, marching yeah. through the empire goblins sailing from and <laughs> setting because, sails uh, yeah <laughs> going nowhere basically <laughs> and ending up in Ulthuan. <laughs> so great and all because <laughs> uh, Grom shaman ate some uh, funky mushrooms yeah yeah <laughs> old black tooth <laughs> right that was his name yeah <laughs> awesome hey uh thank you very much andreas for this uh, little insight in oh, your hobby life and uh, what you've been working on now before i let you go i uh, did devise as a sort of uh, tradition here on the war games orchard i i've got a little game we could play uh, just a little quiz um oh and <laughs> yes oh dear uh i have tried to make these questions not too hard and all the questions are going to be about the campaign packs okay. um now i don't know uh, which of the episodes you heard or which of these campaign packs because you translated them uh, into warhammer ce uh, how well known you are with them and with the background and everything. So I've just got... A, it's a mix of questions. Uh, one from each of the campaign backs. Okay. And I'm just going to let you score one point for each question. And let's just see how well you do. And okay. uh, just to put your nerves to rest, you probably can't do worse than I did on that chaos quiz Nathan um, <laughs> put in front of me a while back. So... Uh, Right, here we go. First question. Now, this one is about the Grudge of Drong. Okay. Um, and it's about the uh, first scenario in the Grudge of Drong, the Battle for Grudge Pass. Mm -hmm. In this scenario, there are mine shafts, abandoned mine shafts. Mm -hmm. How many are there in the scenario, and what is their function on the battlefield? Uh, there are two mine shafts, and. Um you um, have to pass an initiative test to cr cross them. Excellent, yeah. Tumble down. Yes, and uh, the, if you fail your initiative test, you are indeed uh, removed from the table, which yeah. can be very uh, annoying if you are a dwarf <laughs> and you're drunk and you have to, uh, you have no idea yeah, where you're going. But maybe yeah. you find beer or something down there. Yes, maybe. <laughs> 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 Is this rule still the same in your edition? Yes. And I gave the miners a plus two on initiative if they cross them because they are very, very good in ah, looking out for uh, just the miners. So all the other yeah, just uh, the miners. Oh, that's a nice rule. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's your first point right there. See, you you already did better than I did on the chaos quiz. <laughs> so um, when I put this uh, this idea for uh, for a quiz in front of you right before we started the recording, uh, mm. you said something in the in the sense of uh, name all the, the the characters in a campaign pack, uh -huh. and I had to hold back a laugh, but that that is <laughs> sort of one of the questions, but okay. it's a little bit different. And this was about the idol of Gork. And okay. in the Idol of Gork, there are four of the special characters, four of the named characters that have gotten models. Which ones are those? Okay. One is, of course, Odgit. Yes, the Night Goblin Shaman. And the Night Goblin Shaman. And then we have the um, Savage Orc Shaman. I think his name is 
Nascop. Yes. Why is not? Um, was he savage orc? I thought I thought he was a regular orc. Okay. Oh, oof, possible. But yeah, uh, Nascop Nascop ha, uh, has got Nascop a uh, special. Yeah, it's, it's a reg model. It's a regular yeah. orc. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. You're right. And um, yeah, of course we have um, um, Rutgar. That's the um, Empire um, general. Yes. And of course we have gosh then what is his name again uh, Grotfang yeah excellent yes Grotfang the orc general from the yeah. final battle yeah yeah and um, oh. <laughs> well done mate yeah um <laughs> Now, as I uh, probably mentioned during these campaign episodes, I have no idea if these were just regular models that I put out there and that have been given these names or if they have been made especially for the campaigns. Uh, I think it might have been a mix of both. I'm pretty sure that Odgit on the little tab has the mm -hmm. name Odgit written there and not just uh, yeah, I think N so, yeah. NG Sham or something like that. Yeah. So you're two for two. Ha! Let's go to the third of the campaign packs, uh, which is the Circle of Blood. Now, okay. in the Circle of Blood, the main antagonist is, of course, the Red Duke. And in this campaign, he is uh, released from his imprisonment in a tomb by a necromancer. What is the name of the necromancer that releases the Red Duke? Mm. Yeah, you got me. Uh, I have no idea. May this then be an incentive to start working on that campaign back <laughs> next. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's uh, uh, it's Renard. Ah, R-E-N-A-R. Yeah, right. yeah, Renard the Necromancer. Ah. Oh, it's still doing great, mate. <laughs> Uh, let's go to the other campaign pack that you did not adapt, uh, the Perilous Quest. And Perilous Quest is of course about a Bretonian questing knight, and the questing knight has an object for his quest. Mm -hmm. What is the object for the Perilous Quest? Of course to kill a dragon. Ah, no, sorry mate. What? It's not to kill a dragon. No, that was the errand that he had been given to... Yeah. Okay, uh, okay, second chance, second chance. They're trying to recover the stolen artifact from L Lauren. Yeah, that's that's correct. But what's the <laughs> artifact? That's what I want to know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, what is the artifact? Yes, oh, what's the it. artifact? Ah, <laughs> uh, what was it? Oh, what was it? What was it? What was it? What was it? Um... Jeez, uh, what was the prize? Huh? It, it was the chalice of, I don't know, does the town Sharon, Slaron, Saron. Yeah, I'm going to give it a to chalice. you. It's, it's, the chalice of Chanterelle. Chanterelle, yeah. damn. <laughs> and uh, well, I'm going to give you half a point for, the, uh, uh, for okay. mentioning the challenge uh, and another okay. half a point for mentioning the dragon because that's, uh, <laughs> that's also... Um, uh, a good answer. So that, that puts you at uh, three points uh, out of four questions. Now the last question is going to be about the Tears of Aisha. And this is a uh, is again a fluff question, so I hope you also uh, mm -hmm. read the fluff. Uh, what are the Tears of Aisha? These are um, basically um, 
crystals um, from um, the um, elfin um, goddess Aisha that was given to the high elves. Very good, yeah. Correctly. yeah. Yes, they were indeed uh, crystals or gems I've written down here. Yeah. And they were made out of the uh, tears that Aisha cried when she uh, learned of the faith that elves would eventually grow Suffer. old and die. Yeah. And then uh, Vol made these uh, into gems and the gems have been given to the elves to communicate with her. And the number of gems is unknown. Some say there are seven, mm. others say there are... Uh, two dozen uh, or two score, I believe, even. Yeah. So, yeah, that's. Um, the main thing is the dark elves have none. <laughs> well, <laughs> technically, in this campaign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least for the time being. Yeah. They, uh, they, they did possess one for about fifty years or so. <laughs> All right, so that's uh, four Good points. Buggers. Like I said, you did not do worse than I did on the chaos quiz. You actually did pretty good. So, uh, yes, I think you are a uh, worthy person to translate these campaign packs into uh, <laughs> <Thanks>. Warhammer C. <laughs> <laughs> right, Andreas, I think we're uh, going to uh, call it a day. Thank okay. you so much for coming on, uh, talking to us about your uh, your hobby life. And, it was a pleasure. Uh, yeah, in, in, indeed. I had, I had a very nice conversation. Uh, it's it's much more fun talking to someone than just talking by myself and uh, hoping that someone will listen. <laughs> so uh, Nathan always says this, and uh, now that I'm recording this, I can uh, um, attest to that. Uh, thank you very much for coming on, and also, of course also to our listeners, thank you very much for listening. And we wish you all a great week. Thanks for listening. You can connect with us on Instagram or email us at wargamesorchard at gmail.com. And don't forget to join us on Facebook at The Warhammer Orchard. Know ye now, the time of mortals has come to an end.